Bibles this morning and open up to Exodus chapter 5. Exodus chapter 5. I want to pick up kind of where we've been at uh, here recently. We're dealing with some types of antichrist. Um, and we're going to deal with probably one of the greatest in the Old Testament. Um, and a guy by the name of Pharaoh. Exodus chapter 5, and we'll start reading in verse number 1. It says, And afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey His voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. And they said, The God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Let us go, we pray thee, three days' journey into the desert. And sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with sword. And the king of Egypt said unto them, Where do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works? Get you unto your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many, and ye make them rest from their burdens. And Pharaoh commanded the same day that taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, Ye shall no more give the people straw to make brick. As heretofore, them, let them go and gather straw for themselves." And the tail of the bricks which they did make heretofore, ye shall lay upon them. Ye shall not diminish aught thereof, for they be idle. Therefore they cry, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let their more work be laid upon the men, that they may labor therein, and let them not regard vain words. Uh, Brother Manning, you pray and ask God to bless the message, sir. Lord, we bow this morning. Uh, Lord, we, we lift our hearts towards you. We thank you already for your presence, Lord, through the hour of preaching or training hour this morning, and we give you the glory for that. I thank you, Lord, for even safe. We have to thank you for, for, for arriving safely in this place, Lord, and all the benefits that, uh, Lord, that we could look into that are nothing but grace uh, that have been bestowed upon us even this day from the day, from the time we, we opened our eyes and drew and drew air. So we're grateful, Lord. Thank you for the, the help that we have, uh, Lord, we pray for those that are on the, on the other side of that, God, that are home trying to watch and do the best best that they can. I pray this morning, Lord, that as we uh, have come and, and we're in your house and we're before the word being preached, that, uh, God, that you would help us to settle down somewhat, uh, Lord, from the hours or the days before, and thank God that we're in uh, church this morning and able to hear the word of God preached. Thank you how settling it is to our hearts. Thank you for how useful it is spiritually, Lord, in building us and challenging us and directing us, Lord, even in the first hour. We thank you for that, Lord. Thank you that the weary part, God, it's real. Uh, Lord, depending on the age, our brother preached it, but I thank you, Lord, for the strength of Jesus Christ to put a foot ahead of the other. We give you the glory. Be with your, be with your brother, our preacher man, in the pulpit. I pray, God, you use him in a mighty way. Lord, he's full up this morning, we can tell, and I pray that, God, you might breathe on your word in a mighty way and give him the mic to preach uh, through the Holy Spirit of God. Thank you for this pulpit in this place. Thank you for the men that have crossed it and stood and given us the word of God that we could just go ahead and say have made us and helped uh, us to be who we are today in this hour. Thank you for a sound mind to listen, clear ears, God, and a clear vision of who you are this morning. We want to lift you up and give you all the glory, and may our focus be completely on you. Be with the folks listening through the airwaves. Be especially with our visitors, Lord, who are here present, uh, God, that you might help them and be with them, God. And I pray, God, you might be real to them as you are to us all in a special way to them because they're visiting, Lord, for attending this place this hour. Thank you for all you do for us. Thank you most of all for your grace. In Jesus Christ's name, be with our preacher where he is. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. The Bible tells us there's only two masters in this life. There's the God of the universe, and there's the devil. And everything we do in life is a service to one master or the other. It's a service to the Lord himself, or it's a service to the devil himself. It's a service that gives Jesus Christ preeminence or it's a service that gives the devil preeminence. And you go, oh, no, I'm taking care of myself. No, if you're taking care of yourself, you're serving the devil because the devil was only interested in serving himself. And it's a picture of the devil residing in your life when you take care of yourself and you put your needs above the, above the call of God in your life. 
And I got to looking at this passage, and I got to thinking about Pharaoh, and I got to thinking about the nation of Israel, and I got to, and, it, and it occurred to me, the nation of Israel was underneath this Pharaoh for 400 years. They were underneath a man that put them in bondage for years and years and years and years. And it took them an extended period of time before they were willing to cry out to God to ask for help. We live in a day and age where not just the world, the world is always in the bondage of Satan, but the church has become under the bondage of Satan. Because our desires have become such that we, that we look for these fleshly manifests, we look for these physical things to come upon us, and we desire earthly things instead of desiring heavenly things. And we have become bound by the pharaohs of the earth. And every one of us at some point in time has had to deal with a pharaoh in their life. They've had to deal with somebody who holds them in bondage, somebody who puts them in bondage, somebody who wants to keep them down and keep them from serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes it can be a boss at work. It's a boss that puts pressure on you to do more, to work more, to work harder, to get a raise. Because if you'll do this, I've got a promotion for you. If you'll do this, I've got some notoriety for you. If you'll do this, I've got a place I want to send you to. I've got something I want to give you. And, you're, and because of your own personal ambitions, you want to get those things so that you can better yourself. Because we live in a world that says better yourself. The largest industry of books in the world are self-help books. Well, the Bible is the greatest self-help book there is. It's the, it's the, I think it's still the, the most sold book there ever has been, is the Bible. But yet, for some reason, we turn to everybody else for help. And we wind up putting ourselves in bondage and putting ourselves in a place God never intended for you to be in. Sometimes it's bondage, like I said, to a boss. Sometimes I've seen adults being bondage to their kids. Because, well, my, I mean, I've got kids and I've got to invest in them and I want them to know that I love them. And, you know, I mean, sometimes it's kids, sometimes as parents, maybe you didn't grow up in a good home and you want to be a different parent to your kids than your parents were to you. And all of a sudden that kid begins to sit on a throne in your house because you raise that kid up and you go, well, I want my kid to have a better life than I had. And I want my kid to experience things I didn't get to experience. And I want my kid to do this. And all of a sudden your kid gets, a, gets to be a teenager and, well, they're involved in this and they're involved in this and they're involved in this. And, well, you know, I know God's important. But, but there'll be time for God later, just like there was time for me later. If you've been in this church more than about five or ten years, you know of some young people that are no longer in this church. Because God wasn't a priority in their life when they were a kid, and He's not a priority anymore. And so to think that your kid's going to come back to God is a, is a lie out of the pit of hell. To think your kid's going to return to God just because, you know, well, I raised him in church. Just because you come to church on a Sunday doesn't mean you're raising your kids in church. Just because you come, you know, when the doors are open doesn't mean you're raising your kids in a Christian home. Listen, listen. Any, anybody in the world can walk into this church this Sunday, on a Sunday morning, but it doesn't mean they have a Christian home. It doesn't mean God's personal life. It doesn't mean the Lord's personal life. Sometimes people are in bondage to their spouse. They're in bondage because the spouse wants one thing, and they're trying to do everything they can to please the spouse and give the spouse what they want, and their desires become to pleasing the spouse instead of pleasing God. I want, I want this, I want that. And sometimes you're your own worst enemy and your own desires and your own, your own ambitions, your own pride, your own reputation keeps you from putting Jesus Christ first. Well, I mean, what if people saw me pray? What if people saw me going to church on a Sunday morning? What if people saw me passing a track out? What if people saw me doing something for Jesus Christ? And we're in bondage to this Pharaoh in our life and we don't get to be what Jesus Christ wants us to be. We don't get to be what the Lord would have us to be. We, we find an excuse. We find a reason to compromise. We find a reason to take a step back and not make it the most important thing in our lives. And what I want to show you this morning are five different ways, five different excuses that Pharaoh offers to keep Israel from going to be where God tells them to go. Pharaoh wants to keep Israel where they are because who doesn't like free labor? I mean, free labor is the best kind of labor there is because it's free. It doesn't cost anything. Sometimes it's terrible labor, but at least it doesn't cost anything. And so Pharaoh's like, hey, I don't want these people go. It doesn't cost me anything. I'm, I'm getting something for nothing. And you know what? Israel's giving up everything so somebody else can have something for nothing. Israel's missing out on where God wants them to be. And Israel gets frustrated, and we'll talk about Israel's response to some of these things as we go through the passages. 
But here in Exodus chapter 5, the first thing you see Pharaoh says to, to Moses, when Moses comes and says, hey, I'm going to take a step towards God. I'm going to go where God wants me to go. The first thing Pharaoh says is get back to work. You've got responsibilities. You've got things you need to do. You have, you have unfinished projects. You have things that you haven't finished yet. They remind you that you have family, you have friends, you have finances. You have all of these things you need to take care of in your life. And Pharaoh goes, hey, you can worship God when all this other stuff is done. You ever sat down and made it a point in your life to go, you know what, I'm going to sit down this week. I'm going to give myself, I'm going to get up a little extra early. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read my Bible a little bit more than I have in the past. I'm going to get up and I'm going to spend an extra hour this morning because I just haven't had time. I've had things going on. And you get up, you get your Bible out, you open it up, you pray, Lord, make this passage alive to me, whatever you say in about 30 seconds. And you begin to read the passage. The next thing you know, 50 million things begin to run through your head. And you're like, oh, I got to call so and so. Oh, I got to do this. Oh, I got to do this. And all of a sudden you're like, well, okay, I'll get back to the Bible. The list is flowing. I need to write the list down right now. And you set the Bible aside to get your list down. And I was talking with somebody this week, you know, our prayer lives are weak and emaciated and anemic because sometimes we just come to prayer and we pray because we're supposed to pray and we know we're supposed to pray, but we never really get to the throne room of God. And if you've ever been in a real prayer life, had, had a real prayer time where you and the Lord, have, like, where like, you feel like He's almost sitting next to you and you're talking to Him, you know what? You know in my life when that's happened? When I've pushed through all of the garbage and prayed for about five or ten minutes and worked through all of that junk in my head and let the Lord get all that out, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, hey, Lord, how you doing? It's, and the Lord's like, yeah, I've been waiting for you to get through all of that stuff so you and I can talk and you and I can have fellowship. And you know what? You've got to learn to do that with your Bible reading. Make, make all your notes and go, you know what, but I've got to get back to this. And make that thing a priority because Pharaoh goes, no, this is more important. No, no you're gonna, if you don't write this down, you're going to forget this. No, if you don't make this, you're, gonna, you're not going to get it done. What is somebody going to think if you don't get the, you know, whatever, the ding out of the side of your car? What is somebody going to think of the vehicle you're driving if it's not washed when you come to church on Sunday morning? What is somebody going to think about me at work if I don't have the latest watch or whatever it is? But you, we set these things up and we, we put somebody above the Lord Jesus Christ in our life and we put their thoughts about us above those things and we allow it to drive us to do things God had never intended for us to do. We allow it to push us into things God had never intended, intended us to have. We live in a country, we live in a world that is more in debt than it's ever been. More money has been manufactured to please the flesh than has ever been manufactured in the history of the world. There's more money in circulation and, no, and nobody is any happier because of it. People are in bondage to that dollar. They're in bondage to those things. They're going, I just want, I want, I want, I want. The Bible says the flesh is never satisfied. The Bible says the flesh is never, it, it is never enough. It is, it, I, I, I just, I, well, I mean, I, I got this, I want this. Well, I, I have this, well, now I want that. Listen, your flesh always is going to want... Listen, I don't care if you get the best of everything. Sooner or later, you're going to go, you know what, I want something different. You want to know why? Because I see the credit card debt that comes through this country. When people come into my office and they're coming in to rent a house and they've got $40,000 in credit card debt and they are having to rent a $500 a month apartment. And you go, oh, I mean, they've got to live. Not everybody's got to have Jimmy Choo's or whatever the high-end stuff is, it's okay to go to Walmart and buy clothes. That's right. Do you realize that the judgment seat of Christ, God's not going to judge you on the brand of clothing you wore? Do you realize that the judgment seat, God's not going to judge you on what car you drove? He's not going to judge you if you had a, a carbon footprint. Are you carbon neutral or not? He's not interested in that. He's interested that you do what I ask you to do. Did you live? Did you walk the way I asked you to walk? Did you go to the places I asked you to go? Or did you get caught up by somebody else and bound by somebody else and serve the wrong master? Do you really want to get to your deathbed and look back over your life and go, man, I wish I'd have done it different? Listen, every one of us has a time in our life where you go, I wish I'd have just done it different. Every one of us goes, man, I, I wish I could take that back. I wish I had not said that. I wish I hadn't have done that. Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ and let's keep on going. 
But don't be in bondage to those mistakes. Don't be in bondage to those errors. And don't think you've got to continue to serve that master. You can walk away from that thing and you can go and serve Jesus Christ. Listen, there's always a second chance at the foot of the cross. There's always an opportunity to get back in fellowship with Jesus Christ. There's always an opportunity to pick up from where you left off and keep on going. You may not be the same. You'll never be the same. But you can still serve Jesus Christ. You don't have to serve the devil the rest of your life. But too many people have gotten bound up and they go, well, I messed up, God's done with me. No, He's not. You may be done, but He's not. He says He'll, he'll perform the work of Jesus Christ until the day of Jesus Christ. He who begun a good work and you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That means until you breathe your last breath, He's not done working on you. But you voluntarily put yourself underneath Pharaoh and go, I've got I to take care of this. I've got this responsibility. I mean, I've, I've got to get back to work. I mean, what do... You know, what, what will somebody think if, if they come to my house and the walls aren't freshly painted? Who cares? Who cares? I'm not coming to your house to see your house. I'm coming to see you. I'm not coming to see what you have. I'm not coming to see, you know, whatever the biggest deer you got on the wall or whatever the nicest gun or the nicest fishing pole or whatever it is you do, the, you know, the biggest quilt, you know, ladies that are quilters or, you know, I've been to Missouri Quilt Company. Um, I don't know why that came up. I have a secretary who's no longer with us. She passed away a few years ago, but I still get emails from the Missouri Quilt Company um, because she used her company email to look at quilts all the time. God's not, she's, she's in heaven now. She's saved. And you know what? God's not asking her, how many quilts did you make? God's going, what'd you do for me? But Pharaoh's going, hey, get back to work. You got things you need to do. And, and you know what? Americans are so are so industrious, we're so, well, you know, I've got responsibilities. I mean, I've got, you know, you, you want to be an American man, you want, to, you want to take personal responsibility, I've got things I just need to get done. Well, sometimes you need to be like Mary and choose the needful thing and just sit down at the feet of Jesus. You know, you remember those three guys over there that were talking to Jesus? Jesus invited them to a supper. He sent the servant out to invite them to a supper. And one guy goes, well, I bought a piece of land, I need to go check it out. Really? That piece of dirt's worth more than your Savior? We live in a country now where vacation homes are the norm. Everybody's got a, what is it, VRBO or Airbnb. They got something that, you know, well, I mean, I, I need to go check on it. I mean, it's unbelievable. Nobody, nobody, I never growing up heard people talking about their rental portfolio. And people today, there are more people involved in rental portfolios than they are involved in the worship of Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I mean, if I buy this, then I can do, then I can refinance it and pull this money out of it, and I can have this. And you're, if you refinance it, you're still subject to the lender. You still have to repay what you borrowed. And you know what you see is you see people continuing to borrow, and they continue to borrow, and they continue to borrow, and they're in debt, and they're in debt, and they're in debt. And well, now I got to work to pay for it. And now you're in bondage to Pharaoh because you can't pay for it unless you stay at work. The other guy over there says, I bought a yoke of oxen and I need to go try them out. You buy some new toy and you just want to go show it off. I mean, I just bought a, you know, I didn't, but I, you know, somebody just bought a new four-wheeler or they bought a new golf cart or they bought a new RV or they bought whatever. And listen, if you have, I'm not telling you those things are wicked and ungodly and you shouldn't have them. Listen, the blessings of the Lord maketh rich and the athlete of sorrow with them. But we've allowed those things, we've allowed, we've allowed the provisions the provider has given to become the thing of worship instead of the provider himself. Just because God gave it to you doesn't mean you get to use it all the time you want to. Part of God giving you something is the responsibility of going, you know what, this is when I use it, this is when I don't use it. Part of learning the Bible is going, this is when I use the Bible, this is when I don't use the Bible. This is when I use the Bible as a sword, this is when I use the Bible as a towel. Not everybody needs their head cut off. And not everybody needs their feet washed. But if you don't know how to use it and there's not balance, then the guy who needs his feet washed gets his head cut off. And the guy who's got clean feet needs, you know, you wind up washing his feet instead of taking his full head off. The Pharisees didn't need their feet washed. But the publicans and sinners did. And it's, but it's a whole lot easier as Pharisees to go, oh, they need this and they need this. and they No, how about getting out and just washing their feet? How about going out with Brother Hicks on the street and passing out a nasty hot dog? I mean, you go down there, he's got a, it's a orange, one of those orange drink coolers full of water and boiled hot dogs. 
I mean, I'm down there put, putting a hot dog on a bun, and I'm going, God bless you. And these guys are grabbing it up and so thankful to have it because they hadn't had a meal in a couple days, and I'm going, thank God I don't have to eat this. But we live in a society where we're in bondage to our work, we're in bondage to our lifestyle, we're in bondage to all of these things that keep us moving. And so it just says, get back to work, get back to work. You know, that third guy over there, he says, well, I got married, so I need to go take, take care of my wife. We live in a society now where men are more bound to their wife than they've ever been. There used to be a time when men led the home, not the wife. When men said, we're going to church, and I don't care whether you go or not, but I'm going to church. There used to be a time when, when dads brought their kids to the church and said, we're going to church. But no, dads have got, you know, I mean, they work six days a week now, so I mean, they need to play golf on Sunday. I mean, you need a little fishing. I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, I can read my Bible in the deer stand. Listen, I've had some great Bible times in a deer stand. It just ain't never happened on a Sunday. I can't tell you one sermon I got on a Sunday in a deer stand. I can tell you something I got on Saturday afternoon, but not on a Sunday. Because God said be in church on Sunday. But you know what? We're in bondage to those things. We're in bondage. I just need a little bit of time off. I just need this. We all have excuses, and every excuse is good. We live in a day and age where nobody's going to tell you, if you tell somebody, oh, look, I've got to make my house payment, nobody's going to go, oh, well, just skip your house payment and come to church. No, somebody's going to go, oh, yeah, we do this. Well, why, do you need, why can't you pay your house payment? Why do you have to work overtime on Wednesday? Did you buy too much house? Did you spend more than you should have? Did you put yourself up higher than you should have? Did you set yourself up to be something that God never intended for you to be? Are you more interested in what the world thinks about you or what Jesus Christ thinks about you? Are you more interested in building yourself a reputation here or a reputation in heaven? Because when you get to heaven, nobody's going to care about their reputation. The only thing that's going to go is they're going to go, I know that guy served Jesus because he's got ten crowns on his head and he's got jewels all over him and he's got a mansion that's bigger than anything Bill Gates or Elon Musk or whoever's built a mansion of. I think my son was telling me one time the largest mansion in the world is 300,000 square feet. It's like a 12-story building in India. What do you need that for? It's a monarch. It's, it's a monument to that guy's life. And you know what? If that guy's not saved, he's going to die and bust tail right open. And it's not going to matter what he built. The Taj Mahal is a beautiful place. But guess what? Whoever built it is probably burning in hell because they were serving some Hindu god instead of Jesus Christ. Who cares what they built? Who cares who built the Washington Monument? Who cares who built whatever building and set it up and it's been here for hundreds and hundreds of years? If it, 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 when you're standing in heaven, the only thing that's going to matter is what you did with Jesus Christ. And so all of your reasons, all of your excuses for not serving Jesus Christ are just that. They're just excuses. I mean, you know, listen, life is hard, period. There, nothing about life is easy. If you're going to have something, you're going to have, it requires work. If you're, if you're going to grow something, if you're going to grow a crop, you don't just walk outside and throw seeds in the ground. You have to prepare the ground. You have to till the ground. You have to fertilize the ground. You have to kill the nematodes in the ground. And you have to know what to kill and what to live. And it takes effort to grow something. Well, that's a picture of life. It takes effort to live. And you can either live in Jesus Christ or you can live in the devil. You can either serve the Lord Jesus Christ or you can serve the devil himself. But that's the only two masters there are. And so I would rather put my effort towards working on something Jesus Christ wants me to work on than working on whatever I pleases me. Turn over to Exodus chapter 8. So let go of your excuses when you get ready to come back and serve Jesus Christ. Exodus chapter 8, look at verse 25. It says, And Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go ye sacrifice to the Lord your God in the land. I want you to worship God. I want to make a bargain. I want you to worship God, but just do it where you are. Don't, like, go out of the way. Like, find, find, find a convenient way to, to, to fit it in. I mean, you know, I, listen, it's an hour drive on a Wednesday night. Preacher will understand. I mean, I, I mean... I, I can fit it in on the way home. I can fit it in at the house. Listen, thank God for the internet and thank God for that ministry. But the reality is it's a crutch. 
for most people. I realize there are some people who need it, who have no other place to go, and that's all they have. And I feel sorry for you, and I'll pray for you. But for most people, most Americans, they'd rather just go to a YouTube ministry than they had go to church. Because if I go to church, that means I got to get dressed up. That means I got to deal with people. It means I got to see people. I got to worry about what I'm wearing. I got to worry about what people think about me. And I got to think about all these other things. And if I just stay at home, nobody cares. I can wear footed pajamas and, you know, eat bonbons and ice cream or whatever you want to do while watching the preacher preach. And there's no physical pressure to do anything. To come to church takes effort. Listen, you don't wake up all the time on Sunday morning. I was telling the teens this. The, the teens are the, the worst because they come in on Sunday morning to Sunday school and it's like they have all have been up till 3 a.m. the night before and they're all like, we're here. Yeah, we're glad to be in Sunday school. And you have to like rah, rah, reach, just boom, bah, let's, you know, wake up, let's have some fun. Me and Brother Sam and I come in, we're excited to teach Sunday school and they're over there just dragging like, yeah, go ahead. But they're just a picture of what's happening in the home. They're just a picture of what's going on. It's, it's well, I mean, we'll, we'll get there. When it's convenient, we'll find time to get there. I mean, you know, everybody needs a break every once in a while. Listen, you do need a break. But you don't need one three times a month. You, you don't need a break, you know, three, three Sundays or whatever out of a month. You need to be in church. You need, to, you need to be in the place God's called you to be. If God's called you to be in Bible Believers Baptist Church, you should be in Bible Believers Baptist Church. If God's called you to some other church, you should be in that church. You should be in the place God's called you to, serving God when God tells you to be there. But the, the Pharaoh goes, hey, listen, just, just fit it in. I mean, listen, I, I get, listen, it's tough. Things are difficult. Just fit it in where you can. I mean, you know, NASCAR has church service in the infield on Sunday mornings. So, I mean, I, I, listen, go to the race, enjoy the race, and just be there early and go to the infield and be at the service. When I was out, when I had a chance to go out in Texas a few times, there's a, there's a big cowboy church camp in Texas. And they travel all over the state of Texas, and they have cowboy church every Sunday morning before they ride their horses. That's like, we want to give God a little, give God a little, a little chump change so we can go do what we want to do. We, we want to... We want to just give God some lip service. Yeah, we love the Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, God, God's all about this. NASCAR prays before they fire up your engines. Now think about how crazy that is. Dear Lord, please keep us safe as we go 200 miles an hour making a left turn for the next six hours and we're three inches from each other. Really? How about just don't do it and you won't, rash it, you won't wreck and you won't die? But we want God to bless something we already know is dangerous. Well, you do the same thing in your own life. God, help me to take this promotion because I need this job and I need this money and, you know, it'll be okay, but I know I'm around the people I shouldn't be around. I know I'm going to be exposed to things I shouldn't be exposed to. And I know I'm going to have to go out of town. I know I'm going to have to do this. I know I'm going to have to be these things, but God bless it. Why? Hey, God, where do you want me to work? Hey, God, what do you want me to have? Because Philippians says that Jesus made himself of no reputation. And yet somehow, that's the hardest thing for you and I to let go of, is who we are. Who we are in our own mind. Who we, who we see ourselves as when we look in the mirror. You look in the mirror and you go, oh, there, there's the guy. Yeah, no, there he is. There's trouble. That guy is going to, to beat me up all day long. And it's going to be war from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed. And it's not going to stop, and he's, he's going to ask me to feed him. He's going to ask me to, to, to do this. He's going to ask me to do that. He's going to just ask and ask and ask and ask because he never stops asking. You know, I, was, I heard Dr. Ruttman tell this illustration about a lady that was in his church. This lady was in a hospital bed for 30 years. She was bound to a hospital bed for 30 years. And Dr. Ruttman said, and I don't remember the lady's name, but Dr. Ruttman said, ma'am, said, don't you ever just get upset with God about you being stuck here? And she said, you know what, preacher, there used to be some times. And she said, the devil would show up, and he'd get me down, and I'd feel depressed. And he said, but you know what I've learned to do? Every time the devil shows up now, I go, Jesus, he's here. Jesus, he's here. 
Jesus, will you take care of him? I'm like, man, help me get there. Because my pride wants to go, I got this. I I can handle this. I know it. I know what I'm going to do. I'll get it. And every time he whips me. Because the reality is, hey, Jesus, will you take care of it? Because 1 Corinthians says he'll give away of escape. There is no temptation, take, no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God, who is faithful with the temptation, provide a way of escape that she may be able to bear it. You're not providing the way of escape. He is. Hey, God, how do I get out of this? Hey, Lord, how, how, do, I, how, do, how do I walk the way you want me to walk? How do, how, do I, how, do I, how do I not make my life just convenient? But you know what? We live in this day and age where it says, you know, well, I mean, just do it where you are. Just, you know, I mean, just a little bit. I mean, just, just a little bit won't hurt. I mean, you know, I mean, we understand it's important. Um, you know, it's a, uh, I mean, we'll fit it in. Jennifer and I were, met this couple recently that were um, from a, the other side of the country. And they had a son who was in rehab for drug and alcohol addiction. And they claimed to be saved wouldn't know it by how they lived, but that was their claim. And they were the wife was sharing with Jennifer about all the things the son had been through and what, what he was going through and the, and the difficult, the bad decisions he'd made and all of this stuff. And we're having this conversation. I think they were, we're on a, on a boat going somewhere. Um, and they're having this conversation. And we get off the boat and we're coming back. And the husband and wife, their first thought is, hey, we want to go get a drink. And I'm like, wait a minute. You got a son that's dealing with an alcohol addiction, and your idea is to go get a drink? Like, how about parents, what you do in moderation, your children will do in excess? How about mom and dad get on your knees and pray for that kid for a while and maybe do what you can to help that kid instead of, you know, I mean, they sent the kid off somewhere, paid, you know, whatever they were paying, you know, tens of thousands of dollars for rehab. And I'm thinking, they, you know, and they got a daughter that's at the University of Baylor, and I'm going, like, how do, like, where do these things fit? What is, what is this? And yet I see in the, in the Christian life, it's like, well, I mean, we'll do it when it's convenient for us. And then they get upset when their kids go wayward and it's sad and it breaks their heart, but they're not really willing to change, they're not really willing to alter their life because, I mean, it's their life, they need to make their own decisions. Man, listen, I, I will pour my life out for my kids. I love my three kids. And I want them to see Jesus as much as I possibly can in spite of their daddy's stupidity. Look down in verse number 28. Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only go not very far and treat for me. All right. Go to church, but don't get carried away. Don't be a fanatic. Don't, don't, I mean, listen, go worship. It'll be okay. I mean, we get you need to go to church. Just don't get carried away with it. You know, take, go there, but don't bring it back with you. You know what I mean? Go get a little Jesus. Get, get, a little, get a little Jesus and then come on back and we'll be okay. You know what I mean? Run, run down to the church house before you come to the tailgate for the football game on Sunday afternoon. I mean, listen, I, you know, you might, you, miss, you might miss the best sausages. They'll probably be gone. But we'll, we'll save you a little leftovers, maybe a little barbecue that you can get right, you know, just grab a plate before we go into the game. Listen, listen, I mean, you know, really, you need to pass out tracts to people? I mean, like, listen, I, listen I, I get it's important to you, but don't push it off on me. You'll be glad I pushed it off on you. You'll be glad I told you about Jesus Christ if you'll accept Jesus Christ. You'll be glad somebody went out of their way to go, hey, you need to know the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be thankful. I've never met a saved person that goes, I wish I'd never gotten saved. There's a PGA golfer right now that's a Christian. And he makes a point of, when he's playing a golf tournament in another city, of finding a church to speak at on Sunday morning before he goes to play in the afternoon golf tournament. I'm thinking to myself, you want people to come listen to you tell them about Jesus so that you can feel good about going out and winning hundreds of thousands of dollars on a Sunday afternoon. 
I knew a guy, he was a, he's a Baptist preacher, and he was a really good golfer. And he was playing in a tournament one time, and he was actually, I think, in second or third place in the tournament. Looked like he could turn pro. And on Saturday afternoon, after he finished around, I think he shot, I think the, the article says he shot 68 on Sunday afternoon. I mean, on Saturday afternoon. And on Saturday afternoon, when he turned his scorecard in, he withdrew from the tournament. Amen. And the guy's like, why are you withdrawing? He goes, because i got to be in church tomorrow. Amen. He goes, yeah, but it's not until the afternoon. He goes, it doesn't matter. i got to preach tomorrow, Amen. and I'm not going to preach and tell my people it's okay to be here. Amen. We, we've gone this way and said, well, I mean, as long as you just take Jesus with you, it'll be okay. Really? It's, it's okay God's given me an ability, so I should be playing sports on Sunday. I should be doing, I should be doing this. We, we've painted this picture, and, we, and we've made it okay in the Christian life to do things that God never said was okay. I've never seen God give somebody the chance to do wrong to get, it, to get a chance to do right. God's never been okay with somebody sinning in order for somebody else to, to get in. No, it's always been do right, do right, do right, do right, do right, do right, do right. And no matter where it falls, no matter where it lays out, you just do right. But we live in this world where it's like, look, just go, but don't take it too serious. The Bible says, Demas hath loved having loved, Demas hath departed having loved this present world. There's nothing greater than serving Jesus Christ. There's nothing more wonderful than serving Jesus Christ. Turn over to Exodus chapter 10. Exodus chapter 10. Look at verse number 8. Just a couple more of these and I'll wrap this up. Verse number 8, he says, And Moses and Aaron were brought unto Pharaoh again, and he said unto them, Go serve the Lord your God, for who are they that shall go? And Moses said, We will go with our, with our young and with our old, with our sons and our daughters, with our, with our flocks and our herds we will go, for we must hold a feast unto the Lord. And he said to them, Let the Lord be so with you, and as I will let you go, and your little ones look to it, for evil is before you. Not so, go now ye that are men and serve the Lord, for ye that did desire, as they, and they were driven out from, the, from Pharaoh's presence. You know what he says? He says, look, you men, you go worship, but leave your kids behind. Listen, you go have a good time. I know it's important to you. Worship your God, but don't make your kids get involved. Don't make your kids, you know, participate in what you got going on. They've, they've got other things they want to do. You know, it amazes me the number of young people that will come to youth camp that don't come to Sunday school. And it's like, wait a minute. You realize you can't fix your kid in a week of youth, of, of youth messages. I realize they get something like 19 messages, but you can't fix your kid for a week of youth camp. Amen. Well, I mean, well they, got, they got a week of Jesus in the summer. I don't, know, I don't know why they're out drinking on Friday night. I mean, they just had Jesus because there's no consistency in it. Amen. You know, I mean, I, I, get the, I hear this. Well, you know, I, mean, I have my kids in sports because it helps them build character. Nothing will build character more for your kid than showing them how to walk for Jesus Christ. Amen. Nothing will build more character for, you to, for your, your kid knowing how to take a stand for Jesus Christ. Because if they take a stand for Jesus Christ, the world's going to tell them no. The flesh is going to tell them no. The devil's going to tell them no. And you know what they're going to have to learn to do is go, yes, I'm following Jesus at all costs. There is nothing that builds more character in a person than following the Lord Jesus Christ. No sport, no athlete, no extracurricular activity will build the character you want in your kids like following Jesus Christ. And to think, well, I'll go and it's okay for my kids to not be there. That, that's, that's madness. You wonder why your kids are lost and messed up and they're ex because they're not involved in, in where God's told them to be. You have saved kids that are out doing all the other things in the world because they're, they don't, mom and dad let them. Listen, you give me a choice to go, you know, fishing on Sunday as a teenager, go offshore, go, you know, go catch some big mahi dolphin, you know, some giant marlin or something. I'm going marlin fishing as a teenager, not coming to church. Hey, mom and dad, you have to go. Hey, kid, you're going to be in church. Hey, kid, you're going to be where God wants you to be. Hey, kid, you're going to be where I tell you to be because this is more important than all of that other stuff. And Pharaoh goes, ah, listen, there's time. There's time. No, there's not. There is no time like the present for serving the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no time like living, living right now and doing what Jesus Christ wants. You know, in, in this, well, I mean, we don't want our kids to be weird. Yeah, you do. You'd love if your kid was Tiger Woods or Michael Jordan. You know what those two guys are? Weird. Tiger Woods 
it has a leg that's nearly gone and he still gets up in pain to hit a golf ball to make a name for himself because that's all he knows how to do. That's weird. He has more money than he'll ever be able to spend in his life and he still gets up and puts himself through pain because what? Because he's nothing without that golf club in his hand. And you know what? He's still nothing even with the golf club in his hand if he doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. What's Michael Jordan done since he stopped shooting basketballs? Everything he's put his hand to is lost. His baseball career, he lost. The, whatever the basketball team he owned, they lost. His racing team, they're losing. He's a weirdo. He's nothing. Not in the eyes of God, not in the eyes of eternity. God's not going to pull him up to heaven and go, here's the greatest basketball player that ever lived. No, you know what he's going to be at the great white throne? He's going to bow his knee and go, that's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and I deserve hell if he ain't saved. That's where it's headed to. But, you know, well, I mean, we don't want our kids to be weird. I mean, you know, them church kids are just kind of weird. Yeah, thank God for them church kids are a little bit weird. Thank God, thank God for a young person who will say no to premarital relations. Thank God for a young person who will say no to alcohol. Thank God for a pure kid. Thank, thank God that a kid comes down here and gets married, and they haven't been just bloodied and messed up with the filth of the world. Hey, mom and dad, that starts at home. That starts at you going, hey, kid, you're not going to do that. You're not going to have this. You're not going to be here because Jesus Christ is the most important thing in your life. There's nothing like serving Jesus Christ, and you need to know He's important to me, and I'm going to do everything I can to make Him important to you. I'm going to put Him first in your life, and I'm going to make you read your Bible. I'm going to make you go to Sunday school. I'm going to make you sing in soldiers. I'm going to make you be there when the doors are open because there's nothing more important than the Lord Jesus Christ. But Pharaoh goes, hey, you know, just leave your kids at home. It'll be okay. No, it won't. No, it won't. Because kids are, kids are like rolling the dice. I've seen really good parents pour their life into their kid who have their kids in church all the time and their kids are nowhere near to be found. Because at some point in time that kid has to make, it, make his own choice. And I've seen kids who had the worst home life ever and they're in church right now. But when you get to heaven and you stand at the judgment seat of Christ, do you want to be the God go, well, hey, how did you raise your kids? Well, I'll let them do what they want to. I don't want to give that answer. See, that, that whole judgment seat of Christ thing where it's just you and the Lord Jesus Christ and He looks at you and He looks at the works that you've, that you've done since you've been saved and you go, here's some wood, hay, and stubble. Here's some gold, silver, and precious stones. Let's throw them in the fire and see what happens. That should scare you to death. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's, it's the place you start. Listen, I don't, you know, I, don't, I don't serve God because I'm afraid of what He's going to do to me. I serve God because of how good He's been to me. But the place it started was like, hey, I'd better do something or there's going to be a penalty for not doing it. I don't serve God now because I'm afraid of Him beating me. I serve God because it's a pleasure to serve Him. And there's nothing greater in this world than serving Him. But sometimes you need a place to start. No kid has ever done the right thing because mom and daddy went, you're a good boy, you're a good girl. No, it took a couple of, hey, knock it off. I didn't have to teach my kids how to be bad. Like that just happens naturally. But I had to get on to on how to do the right thing. Hey, we don't do this, we do this. Hey, we don't say that, we say this. Hey, we don't read that, we read this. Hey, we don't watch that, we, we don't do this, we do this. We Yeah. It takes some direction and pointing them. And parent, you're responsible to bring your kids along with you in your fellowship with Jesus Christ. You're responsible for including your kids and showing them how to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. They should have an example to follow. It's a whole lot easier if somebody gives you a picture to go, hey, I want this, to, to copy what happened. It's a whole lot easier for me to build you a house if you give me a set of blueprints than if you go, hey, just build me a house. I can build you a house, but I'm going to build a house in my head, not the one in yours. That Bible's a blueprint. And if your kids don't know how to read it, and they don't know what it says, and they don't know how to read blueprints, what are they going to do? Well, that's some book that mom and dad said is important, but I, it never made any sense to me. Why not? How does a young person grow up in a Christian home not knowing that the Bible can speak to them, not knowing how to rightly divide their Bible, not knowing how... This applies to this person. This person applies to this person. How, how, do, how, how does a kid come up in Sunday school and not know the first question to ask is who's talking in the passage? 
and who's being spoken to and what are they talking about. And that there's three applications of Scripture, historical, doctrinal, and practical. Why do young people not know that? Because nobody's teaching them. No, I, mean, I mean, the Bible, it's a good book. I mean, it's, you know, it's good to follow. It's, it's good reference material. No. It's the words of life. One more. Turn, look, at, uh, look at verse number 24. Pharaoh called unto Moses and said, Go ye and serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be stayed. Let your little ones also go with you. So take your family, but leave your stuff. That to me is like play church. Have the world. Have Jesus. Let's mix them together. The Bible calls that the doctrine of Balaam. Mingle the stuff together. Balak comes to Balaam and says, How can I defeat Israel because I can't defeat him? And he goes, you can't defeat him because God's with him. And he says, if you want to defeat him, don't fight him, just marry him. And you know what you live in right now? You live in a church that is marrying the world to the church. I'm not saying it's happening in this church, but in general, in your lives, you're, you're trying to marry the world and the church and make it fit. It don't fit. Iron and clay don't mix together. But yet, that's what Pharaoh says, look, have a little church, have a little, have a little world. Have a little church, have a little world. Have a little church, have a little world. It don't work. You're miserable. Jesus said a, a, a man can't serve mammon and God. No man can have two masters. He'll, he'll, he'll else hate one and love the other. He'll want to go after things the Lord never wanted him to have. The, 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 there's a responsibility when you begin to walk towards the Lord that you have to turn loose of the... When you begin to walk towards the Lord, you have to turn loose of the world. Amen. You can't hang on to it. And you can't just go, well, I'm going to drag this with me. No, the world's not interested in God. The world's not interested in, in, in anything that has to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to let go of that stuff. You've got to let go of that stuff and you've got to run to Jesus Christ. You've got to hang on to Him. And you know what I've found? I've found that there's, that there's typically about three or four responses that when somebody comes. Earlier, we didn't, we didn't cover it, but earlier in this, uh, the Lord sends the plague of frogs to Pharaoh. And frogs cover the entire land. Now, I don't know about, about you, but I just, frogs give me the heebie-jeebies. Like, I just, I don't know, there's just something slimy, nasty, like, I, I I realize they can't give you warts, not all of them, but like I just think about if I touch that frog, I'm going to get a wart. Like I'm just like, ugh. You know, I mean, it just ain't, I don't know. And Pharaoh, Moses says to Pharaoh, Pharaoh goes, look, get rid of the frogs. And Moses goes, okay, when do you want me to get rid of them? And Pharaoh goes, tomorrow. And you know what I've seen a lot of Christians go? Tomorrow. I'll, I'll Tomorrow. Just, just one more night with the frogs. One more night with some filthy, nasty, greasy, slimy, just gross frogs. Bug-eyed looking, long tongue, these weird legs. They got these really long legs and these little things up here. Midget hands. It's just, they're weird. But that's what a lot of saved people say when it comes to their fellowship with Jesus Christ. Just give me one more night with the frogs. Just, just one more chance to hang on to the world. One more chance to be here. One, one more... Why? Amen. Then you got Israel over there in Exodus 5. And what do they do when Pharaoh gets on them? They get mad. The Israelites go, man, it was easier before you opened your mouth, Moses. Just shut up. Really? You just spent the last... 40 years crying out for salvation, and now that salvation's coming, you don't want it because it got difficult? Well, I've seen a lot of Christians who are in trouble and they cry out for help, and when God helps them, they're like, well, that's not the help I wanted. Why not? If it's the help He's offering, it's the best help there is. I mean, I, he, you should have done it this way. Really? You're God? No, that's, God said, this is what you need. All things work together for them that love God who are called according to His purpose. It's, it's not how you want it. It's how He says you need it. Because He does things for you and I that we wouldn't choose to do for ourselves. 
And then you got Moses over there. Moses comes out and he's like, hey, favor. He goes, Moses says to the Lord and goes, hey, Lord, it just got harder. Yeah, and it's going to be harder before it's over with. And you know what, Christian? It's going to be harder before it's over with. It's going to be hard to walk without God, and it's going to be hard to walk with God. But I'd much rather walk with God than I had walk without God. I'd much, rather, I'd much rather know I'm going where He wants me to go than I would walk with Pharaoh one more second. And you know what you're going to have to say? You're going to have to say, you know what, it's going to be tough. And the tide of the world's going this way, and everything's pushing against me this way. And in Ephesians chapter 6, he says, having done all to stand, stand. He doesn't say run 10 more miles. He says stand. Just hold the ground you have. Just hang on a little longer because Jesus Christ is coming. It'll all be over and it'll all be worth it all when you see His face. When you look in the face of the Savior, you'll go, thank God I made those decisions. Thank God I did the right thing. Thank God I chose to fellowship with Him. Thank God I did, all, thank God I, I did it the best I possibly could because that was worth every bit of it. That was worth every difficult thing I ever went through. I've never had something in my life that was given to me that has value over something that I had to work for. The things that we value are the things that we struggle for and fight for and have to earn. Well, your walk with Jesus Christ is a fight every single day. And that guy that you look in the mirror, that lady you look in the mirror is not for you. He, he or she is against you. You're going to have to learn to go, you know what? Not today. Not today, Satan. And you're going to have to learn to walk with Jesus Christ and you're going to have to fight and you're going to have to push and you're going to have to battle and there may be some plagues, there may be some pestilence, there may be some difficulties, there may be some stuff that goes on, and you know what? The only way you're going to get through it is by holding His hand and going, Jesus, there's the devil. Lord, will you take care of that for me? Because that's all that matters. You don't have to follow Pharaoh any longer. Pharaoh, Pharaoh is not the end all to be all. He's not, he's not the final say. Jesus Christ is the final say. He's the author and finisher of our faith. Listen, if you've, if you've gotten out of the way, if you've gotten off course somewhere, if you've missed this or missed that, you know what? There's always time to come home. There's always an opportunity to go, you know what, Lord? Thank you. Lord, you're right. I need to let go of this. I need to turn loose of that. I need to move on. I'm going to ask Miss Pat to come play something on the organ.